Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language, order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to Freelance the Founder. I'm your host, Brandon Hull. This is a podcast where we tell the true stories of freelancers and solopreneurs who grew their businesses to be much bigger than themselves. And on today's show, we feature Mark Von Brockdorf, co-founder of Hotjar. We have a lot of users and we're still thinking in, in the startup, like founders mode, whereas we need to start thinking, okay, now that we're gaining some traction, we probably need to set up a team, like what people do we need? And I think that probably came a bit too late. We're still relying on ourselves and and moaning that we had too much to do. <laughs> when actually what we should have been doing is thinking, okay, we have a lot to do. Let's figure out who we need to employ and, and who we can transfer ownership to. How does a web designer in Malta become a co-founder of one of the web's fastest growing companies? And should a founder's role change as their business evolves from five employees to 60 employees and on pace for over 12 million in revenue this year? We talk about that with Mark, more so than talking about the growth hacks and marketing ninja moves the team made to unlock head-spinning growth. And if you like this episode, there's another podcast we want to tell you about as well, Rocketship.fm. It's also launching its fifth season right now. Michael Saka and Mike Belsito have spent the last three months recording with and profiling three entrepreneurs for this season. You'll get the real story behind how products are built. And you'll not only hear about business struggles, you'll hear about personal struggles as they deal with pressure from family and loved ones. It's a tremendous podcast and you can subscribe by first visiting rocketship.fm. All right, we'll get to our show in just one minute. But first, a few words from Preston. Season five of Freelance to Founder is supported by Gusto. On your own journey from freelance to founder, you'll notice that HR, payroll, and benefits can be a huge pain, which is why there's Gusto. Gusto makes it easy to scale your solo business through modern technology built specifically for small businesses just like yours. And as this season's sponsor, Gusto is offering freelance to founder listeners an exclusive deal at gusto.com slash FTF. Sign up using that link and you'll get three months completely free. It's a pretty big deal. Again, that's three full months completely free of Gusto HR payroll and benefits tech at gusto.com slash FTF. This episode is supported in part by DesignCrowd. DesignCrowd helps entrepreneurs and small businesses like you outsource custom logos, business cards, and web design from top designers around the world. DesignCrowd has over 600,000 designers from Sydney to San Francisco, ready to help you with your creative ideas. With DesignCrowd, get the perfect custom design every time. Freelance to Founder listeners can receive up to $100 off their design project by visiting designcrowd.com slash founder or entering promo code founder at checkout. Support for this episode comes from Conference Calling by Vast Conference. Their fully automated conference calling service helps you connect with your clients no matter where you are in the world. 
without the need for dial-in numbers or per-minute charges. Imagine web conferencing your clients easily, quickly, and without needing a fancy mic or all that annoying additional software. It's a game-changer for freelancers and founders alike. You can try it completely free for 30 days at conferencecalling.com slash trial30. You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's gonna wanna take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code FREELANCE to save $400. Hydro.com, promo code FREELANCE, or just click the link in our show description. Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people call in with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs, and did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. I think I was as early as maybe 12 or 13 years old, I was already kind of finding um, appeal in the, in the in the concept of the internet. So back then it was quite different. So I, I think at most actually we could only use the internet in the evenings. <laughs> there was some some arrangements like that. But um, early on, I was already quite um, intrigued by the concept of the internet and how you could potentially kind of build businesses and make money offline. Um, and I think it was quite early. I actually had decided, I said, listen, like, I actually want to, to somehow find a way to make money online and transform that into my career. Were there things that you did even as a, as a teenager to try to make money online, uh, starting on your own businesses or just doing work for other people? So, so actually, in terms of um, my, my career, I, I saw that as, um, as a web developer, a web designer, actually. Um, so I was always doing some little odd jobs for people I knew. Some, somebody needed the, like a web banner, or back then it used to be actually flash banners. <laughs> um, but on the side, I, I used to do a lot of reading and try to figure out how to, to kind of take this platform and potentially do something bigger with it. 
back then, actually, one of my theories, because uh, in Malton, I'm, I'm pretty sure this, this is almost everywhere, but there is kind of a pressure to go to kind of finish school, go to university, do a good degree, then potentially get a master's. And early on, since I was seeing this potential in on kind of making money on, online, um, I was hard, quite hard-headed in the sense that I, my my idea was that listen, like I don't need to finish university, I don't need to do this and that. I can I can make a career out of it without doing all this stuff. Um, and actually, when I was sixteen, um, I managed to find the school, which is it's not the typical Maltese university, so it's not the, the actual um, one one university we have, but it was. Um, another school which was set up, which also did, which also gave degrees, but I believe they were accredited by um, a UK university. Um, but the good thing about that is that it allowed students to work two days a week. So basically, when I was 16, immediately I managed to find a job with a local um, web design company, and I was doing some web design on the side for two days a week. So Mark wasn't really a web designer. He was a web developer. He was what you call a, a full cycle developer. While he doesn't think he's an expert at everything, he's really good in all the important areas, as he says. So traditionally, I've always been a full cycle developer. And, and the reason is that um, I'm pretty much the type of person that if there's something that I want to do, I'll just try it out. Um, and the reality is I don't think I'm actually an expert at anything, but I have a good understanding of, of most areas. Um, and even like in the specific languages that I do know, I'm not an expert, but I know how to code in backend, I know the frontend, I know how to do some design. So I, I used to always think it's a very a good skill to have to be able to do a bit of everything so that you kind of get the big picture. And more than that, obviously, that allowed me to build stuff from scratch. So I could build one site um, from scratch because I understood from the design aspect to even probably the you know, the DevOps aspect of setting up servers, etc. One of the, the, the people who motivated me the most is probably Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, it's probably the, the worst time to, to mention it. But I did find that he is not the typical, as even, even today, he's not a typical CEO, so he, he still looks kind of geeky and, and I don't know. Like, but he managed to transform an idea into something that was successful. So to me, that was quite kind of something impressive that not many people actually managed to do. And it's and because of his personality, it's kind of resonated with me because he, he didn't seem that kind of that different in the sense that he was young, a developer, he just wanted to play around with stuff. And that's, that was something that I could relate to. I learned by talking to Mark that there's a certain confidence that a full cycle developer has that maybe a web designer doesn't quite achieve. A developer can code a fully functioning web app, whereas the designer may use certain tools to build a website. This gets the gears moving a bit differently, I learned, in their head. Um, I'd say initially, um, it was more kind of the appeal that I could use my skills to create something that could generate some money um, while I sleep. <laughs> so my goal there was always, like, how can I create something that could give me passive income? And I think... I started off with more of a focus on the financial side. So how can I make money from this? And as I got older and probably matured, that transitioned into like, how can I, how can I generate money from something I'm passionate about? Like so many of our past guests on Freelance to Founder, Mark got his start as a web designer working for a small web design firm. 
but he bumped into a few fellows along the way that started those gears turning that I talked about just a little bit more, thinking about ways he could move beyond a passive income to building an enterprise. Um, interesting. So actually, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll actually explain one role I had before Hotjar, because that is one of the reasons that Hotjar exists today. Probably about four years prior to Hotjar, um, I worked at a Swedish company that was based in Malta called Uniblue. And basically, they did. They basically had a, a Windows application which searched for registry problems, etc. And I had joined that company, and that is actually where all the, the founders met. So we all worked at the company. Um, one of one of the founders of Hodja was actually one of the founders of this. Um, so I didn't actually work directly with all of them, but at the time, um, David, who is now the CEO of Hodja, was my boss at, at Uniblue. I think it's been two years at Uniblue there. Um, and then eventually um, I left Uniblue. A while later, I had actually started working on some projects with David because basically we caught up. And uh, we were both at stages in our life where we wanted to try something out. And we, we had worked on two other startups before Hodja, um, both of which failed, by the way. <laughs> and then basically, I'd say a few months before we founded Hodja, David, uh, our CEO, he had been working as a consultant for, for some very big companies. And basically, he, is actually a conver- he was actually working as a conversion rate <clears throat> optimization analyst. So basically, he used to look at the website's conversion rate. And, and basically try to determine what can be done to, to improve that conversion rate. And as he was working in, with all these companies, he used to use a lot, of, um, a lot of tools, like heat mapping tools, recording software. And at the time, I'd say the, the whole market of those tools, it was very much targeted towards SMBs, was almost, almost enterprise. So super expensive um, and you generally needed long contracts. It was kind of hard to, to get set up. You needed an account manager and he used a lot of these tools. So he, know, he knew obviously that they were extremely useful. He knew that they actually did work, but he knew that they weren't very accessible. Um, so basically we we're getting to a stage where um, hosting costs were decreasing. So it was becoming much more affordable to do, to use the technology that these tools had. And we got to a stage where we said, okay, let's, disrupt the market by basically packaging these tools together and creating something that is super affordable and in most cases free because we also have a free plan and also something that is self-service so basically somebody can just sign up and, and get start get started straight away all right now i'm just going to interrupt for a minute here maybe you've already had a couple moments where you wondered about the hot jar story like what is hot jar exactly or specifically and why did they have five co-founders well, let's tackle that first one. Hotjar is basically an easy way to better understand your web and mobile website visitors. You add a little code to your site, and shortly thereafter, you can see countless ways to improve the experience of your visitors by analyzing what they're actually doing on your site. Most people rely solely on Google Analytics, but with Hotjar, it's a little more convenient to glean real insights and make decisions. Okay, and what about having five co-founders what was the thinking there yeah because we wanted basically wanted just to verify that we could get along as a team so we wanted to work on something small that would allow us to to work together and make sure there are no conflict no conflicts um, together with those five co-founders the team realized it really needed to find out if they could work well together as a group david darmanin the ceo had an idea for this mark says and it was to build a to-do app basically a simple project pre-hotjar just to see how the team would gel so if I'm not mistaken, that was actually also David's idea. And the reason was that 
me and David had worked before together on those two previous projects, so we knew how we worked together. Um, the other two guys, so the technical guy and the designer, had also worked together on their own projects. Um, and um, the, the fifth founder had all worked with us all, but uh, with, on, in the previous company, so we had to work with him. In, and, and also in that company, he was one of the owners, so we didn't interact with him very often. So basically, one of the concerns there was how how do we make sure we're starting company in a way, kind of with, with a founding team that gels well together, that's, that that can work together essentially. Um, and because we knew that, obviously, it wouldn't be a very good idea to just say, okay, let's let's try build Hodger and see how it goes. <laughs> we said let's try to build something extremely small, um, like simple. Um, let's see how well we work together and how quickly we're able to get that out. And um, let's, and more importantly, let's also see how we're all contributing. So let's let's actually see naturally what we feel that we can contribute with. Um, and that was that was actually quite important because that's helped us shape what the team would be doing in the first few months that we were building Hotjar. I've yet to come across some other founders who've done this as well. I think this is really cool that the group did this. And to his point, I've not known any other co-founder group that's done this either. Make sure the team can work well together. I can't help but wonder if there's like a really good lesson for freelancers who've been thinking about partnering with another freelancer with complementary skills. Maybe the two of you can approach a few clients on projects together to sort of test the waters on this concept a bit before you both throw caution to the wind and assume you'll get along easily. Just a thought there. Okay, so this is 2014, in case you're wondering, just four years ago. They spent nine months then, that year, building Hotjar before it finally launched. So what happened to kick off that growth? Um, so before we actually launched um, Hotjar, so officially, we actually ran a campaign to get people to sign up to the beta. So basically what we did there is... Um, we actually we created a landing page with fake Hodja screenshots, so screenshots of what looked like Hodja, but Hodja actually didn't exist. And we got people to sign up in their email, and we created this the system um, of virality where basically, um, if they promoted if they if they promoted this landing page to their friends, they would move up in the queue and would get access to Hodja idea. To be honest, it was an idea we had seen and we were eager to try out, which was some of one of our projects. And we kind of said, okay, this is a good opportunity to, <laughs> to test this out. And yes, we were obviously super happy with, with the end result. Because in, in the end, we managed to get, I think it was about 60,000 emails. So you'd already started building it to some extent, but that kind of pushed you over the top and made you, made you more eager to get it out there, right? Exactly. So basically, um, in terms of like the timeline, I remember mid-2014, we actually launched a landing page whilst building, um, whilst building it in the background. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you're on pace for a, over a $12 million year this year. Is that safe to say? Uh, exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. So right now, we're, we're almost on $13 million in annual recurring revenue. Um, and yeah, that's that might actually be a bit higher by the end of the year. Yep. So you, you, there's no way you could have predicted that, right? You're, that's got to be ahead of pace from what you expected, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, definitely. I, I don't think, um, like looking at how the company is now, in those early days when we sat around the table and, and we just, just discussed the idea, I don't think either of us ever pictured us being in a situation four years on. 
All right, so that is where they are now. How has it changed their roles as founders? That's next. But first, a few notes from the Mellow community on Facebook real quick. If you're a freelancer, really of any kind, make sure to check out our Facebook group, Millow Mastermind. Right now, we're sitting at 5,000 members strong. It's highly active with questions and answers from peers on everything from dealing with difficult clients to pricing to copywriting to handling sales and hiring issues and everything in between. Go to Facebook slash groups slash Millow Mastermind. And again, that's M-I-L-L-O Mastermind and dig in and start participating. Millow Mastermind. Support for this episode comes from Conference Calling by Vast Conference. Their fully automated conference calling service helps you connect with your clients no matter where you are in the world without the need for dial-in numbers or per-minute charges. Imagine web conferencing your clients easily, quickly, and without needing a fancy mic or all that annoying additional software. It's a game-changer for freelancers and founders alike. You can try it completely free for 30 days at conferencecalling.com slash trial30. Tell me about a little, you know, a little bit about how were you making decisions as a team? Did you literally just follow your drink, your, you know, your own, uh, your own potion there that you were just saying where I'm the team lead for this and I'll make the decision on behalf of our company for this and you'll make the decision for this. Did you, did you actually sit down as a team and discuss it that way or did it just kind of work out that way? Um, yeah, that's a very good question. So, um, the, the reality is that I think as a founder in a company, th- there is a problem, right? Cause I think that's. You, you kind of have two conflicting um, a, a conflicting views. So there's one view where you obviously, you, you're acting as kind of the founder of the company and um, it's in your own interest, obviously, to make sure that whatever you do is is for the benefits of the company. But then obviously there's also the personal career development. So you also want to kind of be in a position where you can have more authority, maybe more more ownership of things, take, take the lead, if obviously that is something that you aspire to do. Um, and I think initially, founders, it's natural for, for founders to kind of move up in, in kind of authority in the sense that maybe they become team leads because obviously they know the products better than the others. So it's kind of a natural progression. But I think as the company grew, um, what you kind of need to start realizing is that in order to be kind of t- to be tr- a truly a good founder, you really need to put your ego aside and, and kind of almost forget what your personal ambitions are. And say, okay, what can I do that is good for the company right now? And that could be that's the best thing you could do is not be a leader, for example, or or hire somebody to be a leader. So um, you you do need to kind of reach a level of kind of emotional maturity to to accept that that is what you need to do. It's actually something that we we only recently kind of started discussing and going through. Um, I, I say that there hasn't been this. Um, this, um, basically what you're mentioning so people who, who join there is a tendency to go to a founder because they kind of can give the go ahead or they can make the ultimate decision um, and up until recently it was still very much like that so so even somebody hired in a leadership role would ultimately go to a founder and say okay this is my plan <laughs> do, do you agree with it because it kind of feels like the owners of the company should should have the final say but to be honest, as time passes, realizing that that's probably a bad idea because ultimately, 
we cannot grow the company if all decisions um, depend on us because the reality is we don't have the answer to everything. <laughs> so especially at the stage of the company, um, which is a stage where some of us have never actually been in with, with, even with regards even to the headcount, we need to start relying on other people who have more experience to make decisions and, and trust in their judgments. Is there a point at which, whether a company is rapidly growing or has just steadily been growing and the team's been growing, you know, over time, that a company needs to be even more thoughtful about how it manages that growth for the reasons you're talking about? Is it, is it, is it dangerous even during those times? It's, it's tricky, I guess, because um, in, in those early months, obviously, um, as an it's pretty much the product is built by the founders plus a few extra people. And now we're at a stage where a lot of the product is, is an, it's basically our inputs and not, not, much, um, not much else. <laughs> and I guess, obviously, in, in that transition, you need to kind of strike a balance. So you, don't, you want to obviously delegate people, but you don't want to kind of lose those original values that the founders had. Um, and in fact, what we did was early on, we actually built this kind of, uh, we had the Hodja core values, which we basically listed down what, what we believed in as founders, what we believe the company should, should, should function like, what we believe the people should, what their values should be. And we actually listed, a, we had a list of 10 uh, core values and everyone who joined, we basically showed them these values and, and tried to get them kind of in line with that. But the most important thing, though, is hiring the right people, because the reality is you don't want to be in a situation where you're forcing somebody to adhere to your values, but rather you want to employ people who immediately believe in those values. So once they've joined, basically, you've got the right people on board and they, they can kind of carry on um, believing and relaying those values to even other people who join. All right. Now, those 10 core values that he mentioned aren't publicly listed on the site, but Mark directed me to the seven core values that are, and they are a key part of their hiring process. We've got a link in our notes for this episode at milo.co to those seven core values. There are some unique ones there too. So you'll want to check out the full list. There's ideas like we aim for good, where great and perfect are the enemy of good, and Respect your team, which includes not taking calls while speaking with others, keeping promises, and sticking to deadlines. It's these core values that founders have to think through, where freelancers often don't. You, I, what I found is, at each stage of the startup, as it grows, you really need to look at your role and like reflect. Okay, what do I? How do I need to evolve now? To um, it's kind of react to the changes that are happening within the company, within the teams. I'd say the biggest pain point we have in growth is definitely on the on the tech side. So the infrastructure, we need to constantly think of how we're going to evolve the platform to keep dealing with the the insane amounts of data that that we get. Um, but beyond that, I'm now focusing entirely on people and process side of things and engineering. So that means how to get the best people, onboarding them, training, and even from a process point of view reviewing all the things that we have right now and how can we improve um, different parts of the whole. Um, I think now we're getting to a stage where we actually need, um, like, now nah, I need to just focus on kind of the, the very high level, like how can we make things work better in a team? How can we make teams work better as a whole? For designers or developers or software engineers who are looking to strike out on their own with their own solo project or especially with co-founders, Mark has some very specific advice. 
Um, at the beginning, it starts from the basics. So the, the reality is that we're, we're Hodja is doing well, as in besides the fact that we we have got help and, and advisors to help us manage how we build team and some products. We started off with a product that, that there was a demand for on the market. So I'd say if you want to have a good chance of succeeding, yes, it all starts with the product. Every, every, everything has to do with the product. If you have a good product, kind of you can even have bad processes and still manage. So I'd say as a very first step, you need to validate that product and make sure that what you're building is actually something that people want. And more importantly, something that people are willing to pay for. Um, so definitely, that's, uh, my recommendation would be just start with MVP and get out there and get um, get feedback and try to establish kind of a relationship with with those initial users. See what what demand you're you're meeting, and if then it seems like you are building a product um, that that actually satisfies um, a demand in the market, then that is when kind of you can take it away and start building it and getting more people on board. Um, in terms of the, the team, what I think my advice would be, I think if you're trying to build a company, like you need to look, see beyond your own personal career aspirations, but think like what, what does the company need? What does the startup need at this point? And honestly, I think the best way of doing this is speak to people who have done it before, get their advice and, and see how others are doing it and kind of be open to trying and experimenting with new things. So don't assume that what you know or maybe what you've experienced previously is the only way of doing it. Um, and more than that, be open to the idea of potentially not you being the best person for the job. You, you'll always be a founder, but the reality is that you might need to get somebody else who can do a better job than you. And obviously you, you would still have an input, but yeah, that's if that's what's best for the company at the time, that is what is best. If it sounds like this sort of rapid growth isn't just a practical thing you have to manage through, but it's an emotional one that requires some serious personal development as well, you are right. Those who have known Mark would say he has changed a lot, uh, not only about his own style, but his interpersonal communications as well, including his own wife. What um, it's kind of helped me do is get better at... Um, Kind of almost time boxing my day so that I, I know that this has I have to be done by this time and see what's what I'm going to focus on. And we always like to say that focus is super important, but the reality is that if you have more time than needed, you, it's very easy to forget focus and just work on a lot of random stuff just because you have the time. So giving you that limit, so knowing that you only have this time to work on something, obviously does give you that additional focus that you need. And I think it's always beneficial for anyone to have that focus. Having said that, it's not the first time I've woken up in the middle of the night to feed him and I just end up working again. <laughs> so that kind of breaks down my previous argument. Yeah. Despite Hotjar hitting such a significant revenue level after just four years, when it was first just an idea or a problem the co-founders discovered needed solved, they've actually barely scratched the surface of where they want it to go. And there are more and more competitors out there who do bits and pieces of what Hotjar can do, but not really the full suite. They're fully aware of this over at Hotjar. All founders agree that the, the way for Hotjar works right now, it, it's it's still not, uh, it still doesn't really match the original vision we had on day one. So I'd say 
we're, we're still, we're obviously beyond MVP at this point, but we're still not 100% there. So I say there are still things we need to do to finish what we initially accomplished. So there are things we need to improve with the current tool sets. But then we also now have ambitions beyond that. So there's a lot more we want to do with the tool that we want to work on over the next few years. But let's say before then, before, before we even start considering that, I think there are some things we want to do to consolidate what we have and, and build kind of complete Hodja, at least it's V1, and be ha- super happy with that. So I think, but yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot of work over the next few years because yeah, we're we're pretty ambitious guys. <laughs> when you're no longer doing the work in your own business, when you've actually moved from freelance to founder, and you've got a team building your thing, whether that's a product or a service, you can focus more on building the business itself. That means your vision for the next phase of growth can take shape. Uh, it also means you can spend more time on building a conscious company culture that has a positive impact on your employees' lives. And it means you can really think through who should be added to your team and contribute to that culture. Those are weighty decisions that many freelancers and solopreneurs don't have to sort out. But if you want to scale your business to be much bigger than you alone, you have to think through these aspects of growing a company as much as you do the growth hacks that are all the rage. Friends, that was the story of Mark Von Brockdorf, co-founder of Hotjar. I hope you enjoyed his story. But before we get to what's next, a final note from Preston. Thanks again to this season's sponsor, Gusto. If you're ready to scale your solo business, but you're worried about the complicated details behind hiring, HR, payroll, or benefits, Gusto can help. They've built some incredible technology to ensure you get HR and payroll right as you grow. You can get three free months of Gusto by visiting gusto.com slash FTF. That's G-U-S-T-O dot com slash F-T-F. We'd also like to thank Design Crowd for their support of this episode. Everyone knows if you're going to take your solo business more seriously, you need to look professional. With Design Crowd, hire talented designers from Sydney to San Francisco to help you design your business cards, website, or even your logo. You'll get the perfect custom design every single time. Save up to $100 by visiting designcrowd.com slash founder or entering promo code founder at checkout. We've got numerous additional stories that you're going to learn from here with Season 5 of Freelance the Founder. Our next two stories share the journeys of writer Callie Moore of Lumen and photographer Courtney Slaznik of Click It Up a Notch. For all of us at Milo, thanks for listening to Freelance the Founder. We'll catch you next time.